before I minister to you today, I say that you are hot, so they must put on the AC. All our plants should be put on AC. Somebody get elder there to go and sort all the ones there out. So that you can cool down a little bit. The fire inside is burning outside. <laughs> Hallelujah. When you catch fire inside, it works on the outside. Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, well. <laughs> Yes, this week is about Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit alone. Tell me what, 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 what did we learn yesterday? What was the focus yesterday? Somebody just said, stand up and tell me. Somebody just stand up and tell me. What was the focus yesterday of the Holy Spirit? Yes, say something. How many of you were here yesterday? Raise your hand. Say something. When you pray, you should pray with all your heart. Second. When you sing, you sing with your heart. Whenever you're singing, you should sing or, um, or pray. You should pray with expectation. Good. So why didn't you speak? I want one of those kids to tell me something that you learned yesterday. Who want to tell? Yeah. See. The, ho- the Holy Spirit is for all of us. Good. Somebody else among the young ones. Want to say something? What you learned yesterday, yes, Spirit. The Holy Spirit is counselor. It's counselor. I love to hear that. Now we are getting jetted up. Someone, how old are you? Ten. Ten. And you? Twelve. Twelve. Good. What did I say about twelve? Twelve year old. Yes? Someone can remember that among you? When Jesus was twelve, what happened? He went to the temple and he and he knew more than the priest. The priest. My, how old are you? How old are you? Nine. Oh, you are nine. You have known what the twelve know. My, that's interesting. I wonder what it will be when you are twelve. It will be very high, heavy. All these kids attend the Bible school every week. The Bible study in this place. So when children attend Bible study or adults, one of the things that the Bible study does, apart from the fact that you, you know the Bible very well, not like a fiction anymore. There are many Christians who, who are Christians for 20 years, but they have never read the book of the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Only those who have done that or not are very, very few. When people hear about a story, they now go to study it. That is not a Christian. A Christian is somebody who reads Bible daily. A Christian is somebody curious to know the book of the manual for Christianity, which is the Bible, so that you cannot be confused. And when you come to Bible study, what happens is that apart from knowing the facts, the way the Bible is applied or interpreted, which in the layman's language we may call it, 
It will tune your mind to how to understand the mystery. Not everybody can just open Bible and know it, except those who have the Holy Spirit in them. When you listen to people who by Holy Spirit expose the truth of the Scripture, it disciplines your brain into how the Bible should be understood, which is different from academic knowledge. That's why professors don't know the Bible. They will get it now. They can read it as a story and, and say it, but they do not understand it. So, those kids are able to understand and catch up because they have been climatized to Bible studies. So, if you have not been, if you have been missing the Bible week, the study of the week, God spoke to you on Sunday and is speaking to you again right now. Now, in the leaflet, I, the, the, the publication of last Sunday, that is your weekly bulletin, the Overcomers Bulletin, which you receive every week. I ended up that bulletin with a, very, a scripture. And that is where we are beginning today. Someone can tell me the scripture. I told you to go home to yesterday and read it, didn't I? So you don't expect that I won't ask you about it, isn't it? I want someone from the back there to tell me what is the scripture that was in the last paragraph is the scripture before the last prayer. Pardon me? John what? Good. What verse? Thank you so much. You know, the truth has to be challenged in you before you regurgitate it. You know, when students are in, in school, one of the major deterrent of uh, students coming up in good grade is the fear to write what they know in their heart. And many times when students are doing examination, they see a question, they have a, the first premonition of the answer, and then they change their mind. And then they write the change, and then when they get out, they discover that what they had initially was correct. I would get You know what causes that? Only one thing, one factor causes that. They gleamed through it, but they did not study it. That's all. They just gleamed through it. But not study it. That's why the Bible says study to show yourself, not read to show yourself. Bible is not to be read, it's to be studied. Anything you study is what you remember. Very, very well. We are in agreement. So let's see that scripture. That's where we will take off from today. Today I want to talk to you about, and those of you in the video, don't come and ask me what's the topic. <laughs> Because they asked me yesterday, after all what I've said, that what is the topic of today? Amen. So the topic of today, we are looking from today and tomorrow into the three things that can bring a destiny or turn destiny to reality. Three, three things that turn destiny to reality. Okay? Destiny is spiritual. Man walks into it. I haven't taken you through a lot of things about destiny and conduct that you need to approach towards destiny. I think I did that in the month of May, June. When we look at purpose, a life without a purpose is, you know, a waste life and stuff like that. Today I want to talk about the three spiritual things that you can, you can operate to bath destiny. And when I say bath destiny, I don't mean just destiny of as your life. I mean as into anything that is promised by God to you, anything that God promised, 
And if you, in your life, those things are not happening, you want them, you want to bring them down to manifestation. These are the three things that we're going to look at to yesterday, I mean today, tomorrow, and probably next tomorrow. The first one is word of faith. Write it down. Word of faith. The second one is prophetic utterance, a prophetic declaration, sorry. A prophetic declaration. And third one is prophetic utterance. Can I just say that if you feel too cold, just let me know so that they will reduce. Yeah, because you were hot. Okay. You guys okay? Anybody who uses fan to fan himself, I will ask you to stand up and put you in front of this so that you will be the shield. We won't need to turn it up. <laughs> so that it will freeze you well. And when you are frozen, we <laughs> release you back to the freeze. <laughs> Hallelujah. So the three things I said to you, the word of faith. Second one is prophetic declaration, and the third one is prophetic utterances. Now, during this season, you'll be seeing the three grace working together. Because we look at some specific examples. And within this tonight and two days more, I will also use some of my personal experiences and encounters so that you can identify humanly. Because sometimes when we talk about people in the scriptures, some of us think that those people are superhuman and supernatural sort of, and they are too distant away from us, we cannot go near them. And that's the reason why God will never leave you without an evidence among you, so that you can know that it is for you as well. Now, the first thing you need to know about the word of faith is this. The word of faith has its origin in the heart of man not the mind of man. The word of faith comes from human heart, not your thought. Which means, when they come, they come spontaneously. Which means, they can only be provoked by circumstance. Alright? You don't need to speak word of faith, and you will not speak word of faith, if there's not, some, not something challenging your faith. I would gather now. So when things confront believers that are challenging to their faith, that is when God expects you to speak. It is the challenges that, that triggers for anyone who has faith, the word studied his heart. Because the word of faith comes from the heart. Let me say this. Challenges will bring out from your lips what is taught in your heart. Write that down. If fear is in your heart, when challenges come, it's fear that will come out in your mouth. 
word of fear will come out of your mouth. If one is unprepared, all right, and a challenge faces him, the word that will come out of his mouth is uncertainty. In every ramification, you may call it. It's the word of uncertainty. Some Christians even doubt whether they are born again at the face of adversity. It's not because they want to, but because challenges will hit your heart and squeeze out what you have there. So if a Christian does not have the word of God in his heart, and all what he has in his heart is what people said. He can quote so many things that people say. So his heart is full of what people say, which, is a, which produces fear and myth and all stuff like that. When challenges hit you, it squeezes out your heart and what you say at that time is not in your, under your control because it is a function of your heart. But the believers in Christ must know this. Word of faith has its origin from the heart of people. Romans chapter 10 verse 8. It says, but what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. So, you are written down. Word of faith has its origin from the heart of man. Number two, word of faith is declared through the mouth of man, not through the wish of man. When you have to rebuke an evil spirit, you don't wish him to, to go. No matter how much in your heart you think and say in your heart, you evil spirit, I rebuke you. He will not listen to you because he cannot hear it. So the word of faith that is in your heart will have power when it's released out of your lips. Similarly, the word of fear that is in your heart can never slay you or captivate you unless it's spoken out. All the deposits of Satan, like confusion, frustration, depression, depression comes by a gradual building of negative confession which the devil or man have stored into the heart of another man. I will together now. Understand your heart and your mouth. So, now, before we go on, you will find out that for prophetic completely, the only part of you that God deals with in prophetic is your heart and your mouth. Your heart and your mouth. That's the reason why Christians should be very careful and not allow their lips to be reckless. One of the things that hinder God, Holy Spirit, from flowing from the lips of Christians is because many Christians, their lips are full of venom. Jesus said it. And of course, we read the book of James. They are full of venom. With the same lips James said, you bless God. With the same lips you curse people. Anybody who loves cursing people, God cannot by any practical or means or, or any means allow authority in their lips. Even if you fast two million days without food and water, you can only die and go away. Your fasting doesn't bring authority to you. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who will stand in his holy place? Those who have what first? Clean hands and what? And those who do not swear deceitfully. Your heart, your mouth. Your heart, your mouth. Your heart, your mouth. You want God to use you in authority? 
Be careful what you allow your mouth to speak. Not everything that goes through your mind in thought, you allow your mouth to say. Because if your mouth has not said it, you cannot be guilty for by your words, you are convicted, by your word you are discharged. Bible says in Romans. So, if an evil thought comes in the mind of a Christian, no problem. The moment you speak it out, you become a slave to your word. And, you see, Satan didn't do many things in the lives of Christians that Christians accuse him for. No. He allows you to speak it by your mouth so that it happens to you. On the judgment day, if you say, the devil made me do it, they will show you the video. And devil, they will show you the devil. He never, he never did it. He never he never, he never. He only spoke into your mind. You are the one who spoke it out. And it is your speaking out that became what you became. That is the reason why. Anyone, the book of Psalms says, anyone who loves life and he wants to enjoy many good days, he should keep his what? Mouth from speaking God. You want authority from God? Check your lips. Check your lips. You know, someone said, I have to say because I thought so. Why didn't you check that thought with the scripture before you open your mouth to say it? Your mouth is your trap. Huh? So, as much as we pray for power, many don't get it. Because power of God will only manifest through your mouth. And when you are praying for power and your mouth is reckless, God is speaking through many people on tongue. On how to tame yourself. And because he's answering your prayer. But many of us do not listen to what he's saying. Some people will say, well, my own weakness is that. The meaning is, you will speak the word of God, no problem. But some demons can tell you that Jesus will know and Paul will know. Who are you? I will together now. Today I'm not talking about tongue. Or else I would have gone further. I think maybe towards, this, to, towards the end of this week I will speak about tongue. Because if... Prophetic only can flow through your mouth. I think I should speak about tongue. But for this meeting, because I want to go on to the, to the other things regards word of faith, we need to know this. If you want the word of God to be potent in your mouth, to have authority in your mouth, watch your mouth. That is, do not let your mouth speak everything you think. Some things you think, no one can accuse you by your thoughts. Okay? You, what you think about me, I don't know it. So I can accuse you about it. Alright? But if you say something about me, I can accuse you of it. Alright? And it is what you say about me that remains in me, not what you think about me. That's the reason why when you speak, you cannot bring it back. Are we together now? I believe God wants us to have good... Oh yeah, right. That's interesting. I was in a dream recently that I was teaching you about this. God just brought it to me now to remind me that I, he, I was in a dream. I was telling you about tongue and authority. The authority, why the authority of God is not, is not effective in the lives of many. They say it and nothing happens. Or it, is, it takes a long time for manifestation. Your tongue, your tongue, your tongue, your tongue, your tongue, your tongue. But understand this. Your tongue is connected to your heart. Hmm? So word of faith, it has a source in your heart, but the vehicle to transmit it is your mouth. No wonder Jesus said, your heart 
is your treasure. Look at the book of Luke 6, 45. Your heart is your treasure. Jesus said, a good man out of the treasure, good treasure in his heart, bring it forth that which is good. So your heart is your treasure house. And an evil man out of the evil treasures in his heart, bring it forth what which is evil. I read the King James Version on this. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Did you get me now? So, for a person to speak evil thoughts, that evil thought must have gone from his mind to his heart. That's why you can't forget what you said. Unless you want to lie. Anything that passes through your mind, and you did not speak it out, have no deposit in your heart. And you will soon forget it. But anything that comes to your mind, and you say it out, has gone into your heart and deposited there and those are the things that eventually you can begin to your your mind can begin to develop and they will overpower your will and direct your function your your speech your action and all this stuff like that satan will not catch you you know, when people are burning devil, they are praying, Ah, warfare, bring warfare. Father, in the name of Jesus, arrow, send it to the devil. Fire, send it to the devil. Brimstone, let it come from heaven. Open the floodgates and destroy, break his leg, destroy his neck. Satan is looking at them. The one that his mouth is reckless, he knows among them that he is their messenger. The woman, the demons will not come near you because you are praying. They will stay outside. You are in the church, but he's praying there too, are shouting. The moment they leave, they follow him. And then they begin to remind him about what somebody did. And they know that he's reckless. The same man who binds devil now will begin to be a messenger of Satan. And the, the, something someone did to them, against them, long ago. They will now begin to think about it. They, demons will discuss it with them in their mind until they open their mind. They begin to curse the person who did it. And the person is somewhere else. Maybe the person is kneeling down somewhere praying to God and they are cursing the person. And the person did not know that even he hurt them. Maybe the person even apologized. I mean, but then, what sense is in a Christian thinking about something someone did and you are getting hurt in your heart and the person that you are getting hurt again did not even know what is going on through you? Is that not a state of madness? That a man voluntarily enter into automatic position about that. Torture yourself. And you know what that does? You open your windows of your body for demons to afflict you. Your health. Whereas the person that is you are talking about doesn't even know it. Bible says that your heart, you have, is a treasure house. Both for good and for bad. Therefore, the book of Proverbs chapter 4 verse 26 says, guard your heart. Remember I said the word of faith comes from your, it has its origin from your heart, and your mouth is the vehicle to speak it, and anything you speak, you are a slave of it. Alright? That what you speak controls you. So, and Jesus says that our heart is a treasure house, 
And no one can bring good thing out of his house, heart if his heart is full of bad treasures. Are we together? Therefore, the reason why many Christians cannot operate the word of faith is because of what is in their heart. What is in their heart are information of men and philosophies of men, but the word of God, they don't know it. And it is the word of God that provide, produces faith. Do we get it now? So, therefore, Jesus said, because your heart is your treasure house, guard your heart. Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Wellspring of life. Yes? Guard your heart, it is the wellspring of life. Look at the book of Romans chapter 10. Verse 10. 10, 10. He said, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth you confess and you are saved. Okay? Your mouth and your heart. Now, note, write this down. If Satan cannot get your heart, he cannot get you at all. Anything that Satan cannot get, whatever area Satan cannot get your heart, he can't get you. You know, if anybody is called greedy for money, it's because Satan got his heart to be greedy. Not his mind. <laughs> if somebody is abuser of others, it's because Satan got his heart to be abusing people. Not his mind. And also, if God cannot get your heart, God cannot use you. Are you with me now? That's why I told you yesterday, the Holy Spirit sent me to tell you, three things that you must remember. Whenever you sing, sing with your heart. Whenever you pray, pray with your heart. And when you pray, or sing, expect. That's all he said yesterday. And what you do not expect, you cannot get. Isn't it? A student that is studying for examination is expecting pass. Isn't it? It is the expectation of that student that, that commands how studious the student will be. But a student who felt that I'm not, I didn't come here for pass, I must come out with distinction. What will my father say? What will my friend say? How will I express myself to this person, to this person? A boy in this church had his um, GCSE. And the boy got A's in everything but one B. And the boy was crying. And he went to the dad and said, that, Dad, I, I got B in this. And the dad said, why are you crying? He said, why should I have B? The dad said, but you had A in everything. He said, what would I tell Apostle? Small boy in secondary school. What would I tell Apostle? So, which means that that boy has been studying so much because he has had Apostle talk about distinction. 
Alright? So, it is his expectation that he will get A in everything. No wonder he got A's. But the one who didn't have such expectation will not get it. Not because he's not able to, but he did not have expectation. So also are you. What you don't expect from God dearly, what you don't desire dearly, God can't give you. You want me to give you a scripture to, to back that? Look Quickly look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. It says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially this is the gift of prophecy. Let's read together. Please. Stop, stop. This is the cathedral. Let's read together. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that? Say amen. But how will believers know this? Let me ask you. For the past six months, have you desired the gift of prophecy? That's why we don't prophesy. And that's one of the things God is dealing with right in this week. Change your desire. Don't you understand? A man who cannot pray in faith can bring everything to manifest. He doesn't need help of people. When you call forth manifestation, it comes. Anything you call for, you call for angels, they come. The Lord gave me a vision. Last week, I told you last week I was having encounters of the Lord right throughout last week. You know, various things were showing me. In this vision, somebody, somebody that I know, I don't want to mention name, was attacked by a man. And the man stretched his hand to get that person. And I was there. And I said to the man, I said to myself, what shall I do to stop this man? He is so huge. And I said, I command his hand to wither. And I saw the hand he stretched. Fell like a paper. I said, wow. God, this is interesting. The Lord said, yes. Because you spoke. And then the man decided with this, this hand flapped, it flapped over by like that. You know, T- totally flip over. Like there's no more bone here. And it's just dangling. He stretched the other hand. And I said, mm-hmm, I got it now. I command that hand to. And the hand. <laughs> I said, God has shown me that I can paralyze your hand. The, the voice that can heal the cripple can make man cripple. It changed my view completely. I got a lesson last week. So, if you can operate in word of faith, Satan don't mess around with you. He doesn't. However, number two. Number one that I explained to you now is that word of faith comes from the heart. It has its origin from the heart. And I give you scriptures about art being a treasure and that you must guard your heart. And if Satan cannot get your heart, forget him. He can't get nothing. Also, God cannot use you if you cannot get your heart. Number two, word of faith. Word of faith works when you believe and never doubt. Word of faith works when you believe and you never doubt. Matthew 21, 21. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. If you have faith and do not doubt, 
Not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done. Understand that talks about faith and not doubt. Which means that doubt is the aftermath. Okay? Faith and doubt does not operate very pursuit. You cannot speak word of faith and doubt it. No. This is not talking about people who are doubting and they can't speak. He's talking about people who have spoken word of faith, but thereafter, they doubt it. The thing that can make you doubt is this. Word of faith has a spring from your heart, and it is triggered by circumstances. The circumstance may not be adversity. It may be challenges, okay? But then, fear comes by your reasoning. Isn't it? Having said it, you left the place and you began to think about yourself who said it. Not the word that is spoken. You know, when Jesus was walking on the river and then on the Sea of Galilee, and then Peter's you know, got to them and Peter said, he's a ghost, he's a ghost. He said, no, I'm not a ghost. He said, I'm Jesus. He said, if you are, tell me to come. And Jesus said, come. And Peter jumped out of the boat and he started walking, isn't it? He was walking. He walked on the sea like Jesus. That is faith. So when he spoke, he was, he was walking on faith. But the moment he saw, that tells you that faith does not see. It is spontaneous. It comes from the heart of man, the treasure. But doubt comes by sight. It comes by consideration. And that side does not just talk about physical side. It talks about your thinking. And I think I could say this, really, from the scripture and from my personal experience and encounter, that a Christian operates in faith. When he looks up to God, and he is nothing. But he enters into doubt when he begins to consider himself, himself in the equation of what is happening. Let me say something to you. I have moved among you for a number of years. People, those of you who go out with me when I'm invited in other churches, you always recognize that if I step on another pulpit, I'm a different person totally. Because here, sometimes I will pastor you. Though I'm an apostle. Okay? Sometimes you will see the hard road of a prophetic. Sometimes you will see an apostolic operation and stuff like that. But let me say this to you. I said that when you speak faith, you don't have sight. Because you don't know anything except the God on behalf of who you spoke. And because faith is spontaneous from your heart, okay, it comes because your heart was squeezed by circumstance, and you say it. But having said it, if you do not if you do not recognize that what you have said already had taken place, and you now begin to look at your own imperfection or your own credibility, or your persona, your person, then doubt will come in. And that could be by you citing the circumstance and sizing it and looking at yourself. You must be out of the equation completely when you're acting on behalf of God. 
completely. I was, I shared this in Leeds two days, uh, on Saturday. I was in a crusade in Lagos. And in that crusade, as I was preaching, it's a stadium crusade by Pastor Andrew you conducted. As I was preaching, an armed robber came to steal somebody's car. And by the Spirit of God, as I was preaching, suddenly I said, I arrest you that I'm robber in the name of Jesus. And I kept on preaching. Now, what I said is totally unreasonable to the message. Okay? And we'll look at that tomorrow and next tomorrow when we talk about utterance and, 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 and um, declaration of the difference. Little did we know that the man was arrested. He had just uh, unlocked the car. And then I spoke. And then the angels arrested him there. And he waited there until I finished preaching. When I finished preaching and I gave altar call, the angels started pushing him forward. But at that time, I have prayed for the sick. And people have been healed. And in my crusade, normally I would say, if you have been healed, raise your hand. They raise their hand. Now, those of you who were sick and you have not been healed, come out. The reason being, some people, their faith can only rise when you touch them. Some people, they have received faith when I was teaching them. And those ones get healed. I would gather now. Jesus was teaching and one day power was going out of his body healing the sick. He healed them because they had faith in his teaching. But when it comes to others, he had to touch them. The other woman had to touch the garment. So, when I call them out, now this is faith. The man who was in the front had a withered leg. By polio, crippled by polio. One leg. One leg was okay. And the other leg was like three quarter. Slim and dangling like that. No life. The man beside him, he has a withered hand for 40 years. We had him on, on, our, on, our, on our, the photographs of these people in London. I brought it to you in London. We had it on our, on our leaflet for some time. If you guys who are in charge of media, go and check it. You need things like that for our 30th anniversary coming next year. And the man's hand was like this. So, I came down from the altar. The, the man who was the arm robber, just push in me, so people push me, so with his gun. And people look at that gun, and they run. They brought this man to me. And we're asking, what do you want? He said, I want to accept Jesus. I want to accept Jesus. Okay? Put your gun down. <laughs> he put his gun down, and we led him to Christ. We parked him aside. Then I knew Jesus was present. So I went to the man, the boy who was crippled with polio, and I, gra- I grabbed the leg. I said, go in the name of Jesus. And when I said that, something like sparks of fire came out, electric came out of my, my hand. We saw it, and it went, Prrr! and the leg began to stretch before our eyes. I've seen cripple walk in the, in, the, in the meetings before, but this time we saw the process, the process of healing. He was stretching gradually, gradually. Myself, Pastor Anrojo, Pastor Eric were there. Pastor Dakwa was there. We were all going down like this. Because we expected manifestation, but not in that way. Okay? When the leg hit the ground, it began to expand to the same size of the other. And of course, dirty as it was dirty. It wasn't new. The man, the young boy ran. So, I now said to Pastor Anuju, this one that is crippled in the hand. Okay? I said, give him Baru. They gave him Baru. He fell. 
get, like, hold it right. He said, I've never written for 40 years. And stretch your hand, he can't. So I call, everybody come and see it. I said, take the photograph of this one. If we had known that this God would do it, we would have taken the photograph of the crippled boy before and after. I'm talking about faith. So when the hand of the man was like that, I said, okay, now, let's pray for him. I got the hand and I pulled it. I said, grow in the name of Jesus. And the hand went, and before our eyes, the fingers began to stretch until it's fully stretched. Now, when you act in faith, you do not see, for faith is your sight. So, while acting in faith, it is not possible to doubt. But after you have spoken in faith, and a season has passed, or a time has elapsed, then consideration may come to your heart that will bring doubt. So, when Paul, Peter was walking and was seeing Jesus, suddenly he saw the wind. Now, this tells you this. For you to operate in faith from beginning to the end, what you did at the beginning, maintain it to the end. What did you do in the beginning? You spoke in God, not in you. You were not in the equation. It's spontaneous, it came. Why would you end up in you? And then you sink. If somebody is having good results in school, and then he comes to the prayer and says, that, Oh, I'm intelligent, then Holy Ghost will back off and make sure you fail the next one. So that you may know that it's not your intelligence, it is grace. Hmm? So, that is what the scripture is saying, that you do not doubt. So he's talking about to doubt faith is after some time. And it always happens, doubt always tries to come in issues whereby you are believing God for something and you begin to declare the word of faith about it, declare forward the faith about it, something that you need to wait for some time for it to happen. Alright? You must know this. As long as you do not put yourself in the equation, your faith cannot be doubted. And anything you continue to say in faith must happen. That's why Jesus said, use a mountain. Because mountains are, are naturally established. And Jesus is saying, the using that to help you know that there is no problem that can face a Christian that you yourself alone cannot deal with. You don't need prayer for anybody. You will be prayed for when you are still growing. But you have been five years in God, they are still praying for you. 30 years, they are still praying for you. May God forgive you. I'm not talking about, <laughs> I'm not talking about, you know, we need one another in prayer. I'm going on a mission. I tell you to pray with me and pray for me. I'm going on a mission. Okay. But if I come and bring a problem to you and say, pray for me, I have a problem. Something is wrong with me. Because I know how to deal with my problem. The Bible says, resist ye who? And what? So, your own devil can only flee from you when your devil knows that you are now standing. If I help you cast the demon out, he will come back. Jesus says so, to come and see whether the place is clean and empty. He has not been going to Bible study. So, the place is empty. And clean, they have cleaned me out. But over the years I've gone and nothing has occupied it. He said he will now go and get seven stronger spirits. 
And he says the end of the person will be worse. It will not be your testimony. Amen. And you didn't say amen. amen. I'm almost finished now. So, word of faith works in your, you know, uh, when you believe and stuff. Number three, doubt negates faith. Doubt negates faith. James 1, 6 to 8. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Let me read from verse 4. James No, let me read from verse 5. It says, if anyone of you lacks knowledge, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given. You understand why the Bible says without finding fault? That would make you not to think, make you not to doubt. Because when you ask from God, you don't think it's your righteousness that makes God give you. Okay? So if you think it's your righteousness that makes God give you, then you'll be thinking because of the faults you have, God won't answer you. And James is saying to you that, no, no, don't understand that God doesn't look at your faith, look at your faith. When faith rises up in you, it will clear up all faults. You know, we read today in our, in our daily Bible study, the book of Hebrew, which tells you that Jesus Christ had to come, God had to come in flesh, so that he can understand and, and recognize how you human beings feel. We human beings. So because he had shared with us in humanity. And he knows about temptation of human. And how he set the standard for human. That you, you can be in total flesh and yet overcome the devil. So when we are in temptation, he helps our infirmity. Because he has passed through it. Yes? Okay. Now, therefore... This scripture helps you know this. It's not by a perfection. It is by faith. And then it says, but when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Or he must have faith and not doubt. The king just said, ask in faith not wavering. Because he who doubt is like the wave of the sea, blown and tossed by wind, that, may, that, that man should not think he will, he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a doubt, double-minded man, unable to stand, isn't it? Un, unstable in all his ways, or all he does. Listen, a man who doubt is like the tossing of the sea. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unable unstable in all he does. There are some issues here which I would like to treat in maybe tomorrow. But let me help you understand. When the Bible says, when the Bible says, when a man asks from God, alright, and God does not find fault in verse 5, I said to you, God wanted us when we approach him. Don't approach him telling him your righteousness. It's filthy rag. Alright? We are not worthy of anything on God's standard. That is the reason why we must not be reckless so that we can at least do something to impress God, to obey God. Okay? If anybody is reckless, God will not listen at all. However, our righteousness is like a field right before Him. 
So therefore, when we go before God, we don't go like, oh, you know, I have done this, I have done that. No, 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 you ask him by faith. Because it's, you need mercy. But when you go, you must go by faith. What is going by faith to God? Knowing that you are eligible to what you are asking. You know, some people say, ah, this one, only apostles can handle I even went to minister in, the, in the Birmingham. The ministers called me and said that, ah, apostle, we have heard of how God used you. The problem we are facing here need apostolic power. And I said, I am here. Heaven is supposed to leak at 19. I am here. Tell me the problem. They now told me that somebody came to preach in Bamiya many years ago. And the person was stoned to death in Bamiya. While he was dying, he cursed Bamiya. And from that day, gospel never thrived in Bamiya. I breathed. I said, you really need apostolic at 19. Because apostles know the truth and they speak the truth. No maligning. Apostles don't um, coin the truth. They tell you fact is not true. So I told them, number one, I don't doubt that somebody cursed Birmingham. I have no evidence to believe that. But because you said so, and all the ministers who have been coming have said so. They said ministers come from Nigeria. They mentioned names of big, big ministers who came and said, Ah, this place is very, very tough. There must be curse in this place. And he said, Ah, that's a confirmation. Are you with me now? Is that a confirmation? So I told, <laughs> I told them that, uh, number one, I believe very much that if a man curse Birmingham, let's assume he curse Birmingham. And his curse is so powerful, more powerful than all of you Christians who have been praying all the years since after him. And then the God of that man is more powerful than the God all of you are serving. You, are, you haven't found the true God. That's what it proves to me. Okay? I said, number two, can you show me one matter that when they were killing him, he uttered a curse against those who killed him? Show me one from Jesus at the, the first matter. I said when they were studying Stephen, what did he say? He said, I see heaven open. And his eyes was glowing. His father forgive them. Jesus, when they were killing him, he said, Father, forgive them. All the martyrs that they killed, they prayed for those who were killing them. That Lord, let them see the light. In prayer, they died. So if a person claimed to be preaching gospel and they stoned him, and because of stoning him, he, he cursed, he, God didn't send him. He's not a servant of God, so his curse died with him. If he was a Christian and he did that, when he wakes up yonder, he will regret that he ever did that for eternity. Are you with me now? Then number three, who can remove curse? It is in the name of Jesus. He has no, you don't need anointing to break curse. Anointing? The person who cursed you didn't use anointing to curse you. You use mouth to curse you. Use your mouth and that's the end of the curse. <laughs> Are we together? If they said to somebody to be mad, you can decide that I feel like mad, but I'm not going to be mad. Abby? <laughs> I feel like madding, but I refuse to. In the name of Jesus, I refuse to. And mad is finished. What you did thereafter is what determines whether you are mad or whether you are sensible. Hallelujah. 
Oh yeah, madness in the mind of a man. And sense is there. You can decide not to say yes to madness and you say yes to be sensible. So I told them, apostolic anointing you need is to help you know what I'm telling you. Not to come and break any curse. I'm not interested in breaking curses. Take me to the one who they curse. And let's tell him about Jesus. The name of Jesus breaks every curse and every yoke. Don't tell me that church does I will move from London to Birmingham and you see church grow. What do you mean by church? I said, okay, this is the assignment I give you. Go to the head of Hindus and tell him that your bishop from London wants to come and visit him. Book my appointment with him and we'll all go there. Now what I'm saying to you is this, and they are doing that, they must do that because I'm going there to do crusade. I will go and visit the Hindu temple, visit the head of Hindu, hear what he has to say about his God. This is a free country. And then I will tell him about Jesus in the temple of their Hindu. Is that not what Paul did? I didn't hear you. If you believe that Bamiyan was cursed, what happened to Samaria? Jesus did revival in Samaria. Between Jesus and Philip, the devil had taken over again. To the place whereby they are hailing a medium. They said, sir, they said he has the power of the Most High. When Philip went there, what did he do? Revival. There's no curse. He didn't go while praying over a curse somewhere. Satan is the same Satan all the time. I will together now. So what I'm saying to you is this. Faith, 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 faith. If you ask from God, you must not doubt. For those who doubt are like waves of the sea being tossed by the wind. Let me explain that just five minutes because we're stopping here. Do you know that scripture that says, But he who asks must ask in faith because he who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. In land surveying, or geodesy, we studied about what makes the sea undulating. You know, without that thing that makes the sea undulate, if that thing is taken away, the sea will be flat like glass. Yes? Do you know what makes it undulate? Gravitational pull. And do you know where the gravity comes from? Moon. Take the moon away from the earth, there's no gravity. It comes from the moon. And we call the attraction of gravity from the moon to the surface of the sea. When the moon pulls gravity to the surface of the sea, it forms what they call equipotential surfaces. I have calculated it and I know what I'm talking about. I have drawn it on the terrain of the sea. So I know what I'm talking about. The day they were teaching us this and how to do the calculation of it because you have undulations or parabolic curves on the waves of the sea. You see your, what do you call this side that they suffer soft. When it comes, you will see it coming like this and then it will go like that. Yes, that's a parabola. And the reason why it behaves like that is because of the gravitational pull coming from the moon. All right? So, anybody who is doubting, therefore, there is an external force that is working on your faith. That is what the Bible is saying. James understood by the Holy Spirit the physics of gravitational pull. If not, he would not have used the equipotential surfaces of the undulating sea to explain the state of mind of a person who doubts. You have faith in God, 
But outside you are forces that are sending information to your mind, pulling your mind with the mind of faith. And so you go to and fro, believe and unbelieve, believe and unbelieve. And if you multiply plus and minus, what do you get? Minus negative. So, a man like that, James said, you can get nothing. Can a person remain in one spot on an undulating ocean? No, you have to move. If you throw any, they throw bottle, throw bottle in Australia, they found it in the shore of Africa with the label. Are you not seeing that all these uh, people doing, um, you know, green, green movement, Abby? Aha. Uh-huh. Because anybody on the sea can never have a permanent place. You must keep on moving, undulating, undulating. You can't get it from God. You can't get it from Satan. Every time it's near zero, 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 start again. You believe, you unbelieve, it didn't negate it. You believe, you unbelieve, you are negated. That is what the Bible is saying. A man like that should never think he will get anything from God. So therefore, when you have faith... You never what doubt. Tomorrow we'll be going into the fourth and the, and the fifth. God has put his word in your mouth. Now we will not go into people speaking on behalf of God and look at how that operates. But today is good to stop here. For you to recognize that what God wants you to know today, or what God wants to deal with today, few things. Number one, your heart. Number two, your lips. And number three, your mind, which is the undulating sea. So that your mind will not... Accept what is not from your heart, which is a treasure house of good from God. Anything that comes to your human mind, check it with the word of God. Anything people tell you, don't just run with nonsense. If if a fool informs a wise man, and the wise man runs by the information of a fool, he has just made the greatest fool of himself. A wise man is a person who hears many things, but he is careful to what he will decide. So that what we decide will be in cognizance with what God has said, regardless of those, whoever said it. So you want to stand up right now. Let's stand together. We're going to pray that God guard my heart, assign a messenger at the door of my mouth, my mind, and my heart. Shall we begin to pray in the name of Jesus Christ? Let us ask God. Tell the Lord, I want to believe you alone. I want to believe in you alone. I do not want to doubt you. I do not want to doubt your word. The Bible says, let the word of God richly dwell in you. Tell the Lord, help me, Lord. A man who doubts, Satan can overcome. For such a man cannot receive help from God. He cannot receive... Anything from God. He cannot receive revelation from God. He cannot receive visions from God. So let us ask the Lord, cleanse my heart with the blood of Jesus Christ. Cleanse my mind with the blood of Jesus Christ. Help me, O God. Tell the Lord, cleanse my mind. Cleanse my heart. Renew my heart, O God.
grant me faith that cannot doubt. A faith that will never doubt.